Hey guys, just a quick disclaimer before the podcast starts. About a quarter of the way through, we talk about a big official visit weekend for Oklahoma that included Brendan Radley-Hiles, who had been committed to Nebraska. We recorded the podcast on Tuesday morning. He officially decommitted from Nebraska on Tuesday night. So other than that, everything else is very good, very entertaining. Thanks for listening, and here's the podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone from Miami by Rob Casty. Rob, how's it going? It's going, man. It's great. My screen my screen door that I broke over the weekend is repaired and, and all is well. And uh, joined by the lesser Kruger now, uh, maybe in the eyes of podcast fans, Nick Kruger. Nick, how's it going? He stunk. I'm glad he's off the podcast. F- failing out. Well, what's great is we told the story about... Uh, after we stopped recording, I told Rob the story about uh, how Alex gets really mad at video games, and it got big laughs. And I wish I would have told it on the podcast. So, but hold on—he takes them out of the. When he gets so <laughs> mad at them, he ejects them from the system and snaps the discs in half. Is this true? Yeah, and then he'll buy the same game late, like in a couple of months, because he like he he only likes playing NBA Two K, and so then he'll. After he gets bored after a while, he'll rebuy the game. <laughs> well, the best part is I asked him, thinking it was like an isolated incident. I'm like, so which game did you do this to? He's like, uh, it was multiple games. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if you knew Alex and how mild-mannered he is in most of life, that's what makes it even more funny. And for him to say, his explanation was like, well, then it can't make me mad anymore. That was, which, 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 which I really enjoyed. So big shout out to Alex for coming on. Go back and listen to that. We recorded a Sunday night episode where we talked uh, in depth about Jim McElwain with Nick's little brother, Alex, who is a Florida alum and a big fan of the team. I thought he gave us some good insight. So check that out. Be sure to go to iTunes, leave us a review. And uh, you can hit us up on Twitter and uh, any form of social media. Now, we've got a lot of games to pick this week. We set, we laid down a law at the beginning of the season. We're going to pick every top 25 uh, matchup. And here we are now. All of a sudden, we got seven top 25 matchups this week. Rob wants us to go fast, not give any explanations. I think we'll give at least a little explanation. Last week, I went 1-3 to continue my failing season. I'm now 9-20 and on the year. Nick also went one and three to drop below five hundred. He's fourteen and fifteen, and uh, Rob, the money man, Cassidy goes two and two. He's now nineteen and ten on the season. So, uh, before you listen to these picks, just a fair warning that I am terrible. I'm also in last place in the picks pool on the front page of Rivals. So, do not listen to me under any circumstance. Now, let's jump right into it. The first game: Penn State minus seven and a half at Michigan State. Penn State coming off. Uh, that rough loss to Ohio State, they really blew that one. Um, I'm going to go first on this one, and I'm going to pick Penn State. I, I've watched a lot of Michigan State, uh, including this past week when they were one of my uh, p- clicks to picks to click, and they lost in overtime a game they should have easily won to Northwestern. So I'm taking Penn State. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, I think. Uh, I just don't think Michigan State is very good. I think, I mean, obviously they're better than they were last year. Penn State bounces back and wins by two touchdowns. Nick? Penn State. All right, next game up. Clemson at NC State. NC State coming off a blowout loss to uh, Notre Dame, which surprised some people, including myself, I believe, as I think I picked them to cover on here. Uh, Clemson coming off a a 14-point victory over Georgia Tech. That was a game that was played in essentially a monsoon, uh, so that might explain the low score there. We'll start with Rob this time. Rob, what do you think? Clemson's defense is too good. And, uh, you know, if North Carolina's strength is that, that dynamic quarterback they have, North Carolina State's strength, and it is, uh, I think that, you know, I don't know that he'll be able to do work against Brent Venables' defense. I'll take Clemson. Okay, Nick? Uh, I'll take Clemson as well. Oh, boy, it's a clean house so far. Boy, you guys are in trouble as you've picked. I'm picking the same as you in each of these first two games. Um, moving on, Stanford at Washington State. This one is an interesting one. Washington State favored by two and a half points they've been uh struggling a little bit luke falk the the starter got pulled in the first quarter of the last game and uh former rivals camp series mvp uh one of the Holinsky brothers came into the game uh i will go first since i'm a resident pack 12 homer and i'm gonna pick stanford they're playing really well i don't, I don't know what's up with washington state 
they, they, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a fluke with how good they started. I mean, they got a lot of credit for that win over USC, and USC clearly is not a, you know, a super elite team. So I'm picking Stanford. We'll go Nick second. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I'll also take Stanford. Oh, baby boy. We're a three for three. Rob? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I want to mix things up here, but uh, I'm not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. So I'm, I'm also sticking with you guys. Okay, now moving on to the next game. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, which they call this – this is Bedlam, right? Yes, uh, it is. What is. Where did that nickname come from? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just because it's it's very longstanding nickname. You know, it's been called that since I can remember. I think it's just because the game is always crazy, you know, and that's uh, – maybe there's some other – I'm sure there's a better explanation. I don't like the nickname. I don't like Oklahoma it. Oklahoma person. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't like people calling Michigan State Sparty all the time. I really hate that. But, uh, Nick, you're the Big 12 man. What do you think? This is a matchup, I believe. Did you and I each pick these teams to make the playoff, right? Uh, no. no you, I did not. Oh, I thought you picked Oklahoma. I thought you picked my playoff. My playoff picks are all, all, are all messed up now. Uh, so let's not go back and talk about that. I, I'll take Oklahoma State in this game. Okay, three-point favorite. They're getting three there at home, so it's basically even. Rob, what do you think? I take the Sooners. I think that, you know, I think the, you know, Oklahoma State started off so hot. I don't think they've looked as dominant as as they did at the beginning of the season. I think Oklahoma is the more talented team. I am going to pick Oklahoma State just because they were my uh, playoff pick. And I'm riding it because they need this game if they're going to stay alive. I think it's going to be tough for any Big 12 team to make it, but that's going to be the pick for me. Now, a huge line. LSU at Alabama, Alabama, 21 point favorite. And that's kind of insane when you think about it. I mean, these two teams have played some epic games over the years, including the famous six to three game. Uh, one of the most boring games in the history of college football. I will pick this game first. Guess what? I'm picking Alabama. You know, Nick Saban doesn't talk to me, but uh, Nick Saban doesn't talk to anyone. The same can't be said for the coach at LSU. So, I'm going to go ahead and go uh, with the tide to cover. I think their their run game is going to be too much uh, for LSU to handle. Rob, it it just seems like too much. I I'm taking LSU. I know that's stupid. I know I shouldn't bet against Alabama, but 21 points in a game that's like a quasi rivalry game that always seems to be close. Is that do we just think Ed Orgeron is just going to crap the bed here? I mean, they haven't looked great, but. I'd like to go back and look to see when the last time this game was decided by more than 21 points was. I'll take LSU. Uh, okay. Nick? Not, I, fell, I fell into this trap last week thinking about the Florida and Georgia game, and uh, I'm not doing it again. I'm going to take uh, Alabama. All right. So there you go. Uh, Nick and I continue to pick the same games. Now, this one, this is a Woody and Rob special. We've been going against Miami all year. Virginia Tech at Miami, I think the line was three. It opened at 2.5. It was three when I checked it. It might still be moving up. So Miami, an underdog at home uh, against Virginia Tech. Rob, it's in your hometown. You might even go out there if you if you if you get so inclined. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to that game. Um, I... I take Virginia Tech. I think that Miami's a fine football team. Uh, I think they're still a year or two away from being an elite football team, and I think this is where the decline from undefeated begins. Yeah, I was a big Virginia Tech doubter to start the year, um, but I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm an even bigger Miami doubter. I, I like Miami. I think, like you said, they're on they're on the rise, but they're not quite there yet. I think they've got they've snuck out some some wins they shouldn't have got. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, take the Hokies as well, Nick. Uh, I will also take uh, Virginia Tech. I just think uh, Miami is due to uh, miss on one here at some point. All right. And last but not least, Arizona and uh, all of a sudden Heisman candidate Khalil Tate, uh, their quarterback who's rushing for all types of uh, yardage at USC. USC a seven-point favorite at home. I can't believe uh, that. I'm going to go ahead. I'm picking a lot of road teams here, which makes me nervous sometimes. But I'm going to go ahead and take uh, – Arizona to cover that seven point spread. I think, you know, Khalil Tate played against USC last year, I believe, and in, you know, was in a little bit over his head. It was this one of his first games? A little more grounded now. I expect, uh, I expect him to play well and I expect him to win that game outright. Rob? I, I, I can't believe that these two teams are in the top 25. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, is that a typo? And then I looked it up and I'm like, no, they both are. How about that? Uh, the real winner is whoever doesn't watch this game, but I will take USC to cover. 
<laughs> okay, Nick. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm so bold as to say that Arizona is definitely going to win, but I I think they can cover too. Okay, so Nick and I pick all the same games, which is bad news. <laughs> bad news bears for Nick. Uh, so uh, seven games. You can listen back to them, but uh, not a lot of upsets picks among us. I think we're going a lot with a lot of uh, chalk, as as Rob likes to say, and another expression I don't like to use. Uh, which is used quite a bit during the NCAA tournament. Now, let's jump into the topics. We've got all types of stuff to talk about. The big, big time news week, something that got a little lost in the shuffle as I continue to tell these kids stop committing on weekends or Friday nights during the football season. What are you doing? James Cook, five star running back, uh, younger brother of uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, commits to Georgia. Sort of came together abruptly. He was set to go to Florida State on a visit where he had been committed for a long time. He ends up not showing up. I don't know if he actually canceled or, or, or what happened. And then a few days later, he tells Rob he's committing. Rob with the exclusive story, I believe. I don't know if anybody uh, had had quotes from the, the kid. Uh, not James that doesn't anyone, talk to very many other people. Right. Not, not that anyone really noticed or uh, thanked Rob for his efforts. But... You did a great job, Rob. You get kudos here on the podcast from us. So at, le- at least your story got slotted uh, as breaking news. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. Boy, it's all types of grudges being being had out here. Um, so first, let's talk about this. Is their second five star running back uh, in the class, along with Zamir White, a guy we haven't seen a ton of. I mean, I I saw him at a camp when he was younger, but not a guy who you see out in the, the public eye very much. But uh, what do you think of the impact is, Rob, first, before we talk about some other topics? You know, how, how does he fit there and how big of a, a commitment was this for them to get him, especially considering his ties to Florida State? Yeah, it's huge. You know, I think they cash in on a combination of him not necessarily wanting to battle the Dalvin Cook's little brother tag that goes along with him. Uh, that's even bigger if he goes to Florida State. He talked to us about that, I think, this year in Indianapolis, uh, about how he was a little bit cautious of that. So, he, you know, he's... People that say, oh, that didn't matter. Well, you know, he told you and I that it did. So unless you want to kill the kid a liar, that and, and Florida State being down, I think really played into this. Um, the impact's fine. He catches the ball a lot more than Zamir. I guess that's the only way. That, I mean, that's one of the ways they're different is that they split Cook out. He's kind of used as a wide receiver sometimes at Central. Um, yeah, the, I mean, they'll like what they're going to get. The only question that's with Cook and will always be with Cook is will James Cook try? You know, he takes plays off. He'll admit that. <laughs> but when he tries, uh, he's as good a running back as there is in the country. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. We look at Georgia. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of running backs they're able to get. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter who the running backs coach is. I mean, there were a lot of people who who thought, okay, when they brought in Dell McGee from Georgia Southern, uh, friend of the show, that, that he might be in over his head. And uh, I heard some people say his first year, oh, he inherited it, you know, Chubb and Michelle. He can't coach these other guys up, blah, blah, blah. But you look at him now, DeAndre Swift is having a great year. Um, Elijah Holyfield is uh, coming on. He had a, he had some impressive carries in that game against Florida late. So, and now he's got two five stars committed. So he deserves as much credit as anybody for for sticking in here and, and getting it. Especially when you know you're coming into a competitive environment. They have backs, as I said, they've probably got you know four guys that could start at several programs across the country. And now you know obviously two of them are leaving, but now you're bringing in two more. So. Yeah, uh, I think this. I mean, maybe we should talk about that. Is, has anybody been better at Georgia, than Georgia at getting kids at any position to come into crowded depth charts? No, I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like you think, okay, they once they got Zamir White, you're like, okay, well, he's going to get carries with Swift and and Holyfield, and I think they have uh, Brian Harrians there as well. But then when you say, okay, now we're getting another five-star. I actually saw on the Georgia board somebody say, could James Cook be moved to DB? <laughs> and they did the same thing at quarterback. It's wild, man. Right. They're they're loading up. So so good job there. Now, you mentioned one of the things we we want to talk about with James, especially regarding uh, the crowded depth chart, is, you know, you mentioned he, he's always been the best. I mean, this is a kid who has been essentially famous since he was in the eighth grade. And sometimes we see him go out and, and – uh, <laughs> take a measured approach I would say to competition at camps and stuff like that and I don't blame him I mean you know I take a measured approach to camps I don't start paying attention for you know for an hour or two sometimes when I'm still waking up but how do you think Rob you know him pretty well how do you think he's going to respond to 
going into such a competitive environment? Do you think it'll actually be good for him to go in a situation where he is going to have to compete to get on the field? It's the best possible thing that could have happened to him. Like there's so many like little James Cook anecdotes from over the years. Uh, I think I remember at our regional camp, uh, he came up to me before the camp and was like, "What do I got to do to go to the five star?" I'm like, "Just." Dominate one-on-ones and be fine. And what did he do? He went out. He barely participated in a drill. I think he ran through a drill like twice, sat over on the side, basically quit. Then when one-on-one started, he didn't lose a single one <laughs> because he decided, okay, it's time for me to start playing. And I think when there's actually something on the line, like playing time or a national title, or I've seen him do the same thing in high school games where he won't do anything until the game's close in the fourth quarter, and then he'll run for 90 yards in the fourth quarter. Uh, against bad teams, against good teams, against any team. It's just like what his calling card. And I think if you get into a situation where it's like, okay, James, now everybody's good. Uh, and if you don't try on every down, you won't play. There's a carrot on a stick there, I think, that wouldn't exist if you went to a Louisville or somewhere where he was going to walk right in and start right away. Uh, I think that that's good for him. And I think that's why this Georgia situation will benefit Cook and make him the best player he's going to be. Now, we, there, of course, you said, you told us he's not going to sign until february though right he's his plan is to wait yeah he's he's pretty been pretty upfront about that but i mean this is of course is the guy that three days before he committed told me that he wasn't going to sign commit until signing day so he's a little fickle he may change his mind but the day he committed he said he had no intention of signing in the early signing period so that may i mean there's got to be a reason for that you know maybe he wants to see how things shake out with the coaching carousel with assistants or coordinators or who knows i, I have no idea but i wonder why uh, why the wait yeah, it is interesting. And his brother did commit. I actually forgot his brother was committed to Clemson at one point, which uh, which I stumbled upon when I was doing a little research recently on another article. Uh, and then he committed to Florida and then, of course, flipped to Florida State after the All-Star season. So I do think there's still going to be a little drama there, you know, just from the outside looking in. Uh, so that's something for Georgia tra- fans to track. But a uh, great get for them. Now, another five-star. I've kind of been avoiding talking about this because uh, – you know, part of me has has thought this is kid's never going to go elsewhere, and that's Cade Mays. We had him on the podcast at the beginning of the season, uh, and and he just you know openly talked about how much he loved Tennessee. I mean, his dad played at Tennessee. We even talked about his recruitment and how he said he looked at some other programs, but he knew he was going to go to Tennessee. And here we are. He predicted they were going to win ten games. He thought they were going to have a great season. Obviously, Tennessee's having a terrible season. This Butch Jones thing continues to drag on. Uh, despite every single person on the internet wanting him to be fired every day, <laughs> including every person that covers the team, it seems like but as who, well. Like, so what's the point? If you fire him now, what do you, is the other coach ready to come in and coach tomorrow? Like, I don't. They just want to do it because they want blood, or yeah, I, I don't know. And that's that's the thing that I've heard some people say. Look, what, I mean, they might as well keep him till the end of the season. Now, at this point, they don't have a good interim option on staff. They don't want – like one of the things I've heard other people say is that they don't want people to uh, – they don't want a guy to turn the program around and then it be in like an Orgeron situation where then, you, then you're hiring a guy based on emotion, which I can – you know, who knows if that's – I don't know the thinking of the athletic director at Tennessee, but – I do. So the long, <laughs> I, I, I spent a long, long, long time with that man. He is interesting. So, so the law, so the, uh, the the way it's played out now is is Cade Mays visited Clemson last weekend. He was there with Mike Jones Jr., uh, who you know, when he's supposed to say who, <laughs> um, the, he, with a longtime friend of his. I mean, a lot of these kids know each other now from middle school on. My, uh, Mike Jones is from Tennessee. Uh, he was there with Xavier Thomas. He's there with KJ Henry. So you're on a visit with, with multiple highly ranked players, multiple five stars. You know how they get to talking about playing together. He now this weekend is going to go to Georgia for a visit, uh, an unofficial visit. Then he's going to take a visit to Ohio State. Uh, and then I'm told just today that now he's intending – so then he'll re- then he's going to take an official visit to Clemson, and now he wants to take official visits to Notre Dame and Georgia as well, all with a plan of committing and enrolling uh, You know, by January. He's going to sign during the early period and, and get it over with. So it's really crazy to me how much this, is, this has gone on, and I sort of laid out the timeline for the Georgia fans the other day because they were like, he's never coming here, blah, blah, blah. And and part of me still thinks if I had to put odds, I would still say ninety percent chance he ends up at Tennessee because they're going to hire a new coach and wh- whatever the new coach's number one priority is going to be get to Cade Mays' house and uh, or get get out on the tractor, yeah, get out <laughs> and find him wherever he's hunting or yeah, you know, wherever he's killing animals. Uh, 
go find him and and get him in the fold. That's going to be the number one priority of any coach who comes in there. But you lay out the timeline. The, say Butch coaches till the end of November. You fire him. Okay, how long does it take to get a coach in place? A week maybe? Uh, it, by the time they hire him, he's introduced. Then all of a sudden you're looking at less than three weeks for them to – to pitch Mays and he's got official visits planned to, especially to Georgia. I mean, we've seen the way Georgia's recruiting. Uh, they've already got an offensive lineman committed from Tennessee that they beat out uh, Tennessee four and Jake Ray. So I, I think you should start getting nervous. I, I, I still think he ends up at Tennessee, but this week has been the first time where I've started to be like, okay, you know, I really got to get dialed in here and pay attention to this because I, I, I had just been always assuming that he would end up uh, at Tennessee. So I don't know, man. What do you guys think from the outside looking in? You got any opinion? The only, I mean, I don't. I, I, you know, wherever has the best hunting land or, you know, animals with, with horns to shoot, I, I, I'd put my money on them. I wanted to ask him. He uh, he put a lot of pictures of dead geese up on his <laughs> on his Twitter profile, and I mean, how you, and he was in Canada. What do you do with all the geese? Is he bringing them all back? I don't. I'm I'm a little confused about I, that. I think he just eats them raw. Well, g- guess what? Geese geese are underrated. I mean, you know, a lot of people used to have a, a big goose for a Thanksgiving or instead of a turkey or maybe, you know maybe a Christmas goose. Uh, so you know, well, watch out. Canada geese. A lot of people call them Canadian geese. That's Which wrong. Jones's goose is cooked, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we're following, we're tracking Cade Mays. we got an article on the site about it, uh, which you can read. Uh, so, so follow that one closely. Now, Florida State has <laughs> developed into a complete disaster. We've kind of avoided talking about it just because we cut him some slack for the quarterback situation. But Rob, this is this is your topic, and and Nick, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people close to you are Florida State fans. Uh, we'll start with you, Rob. What do you think? Have the players quit on the team? And we saw we saw uh, uh, Jacob Pugh come out yesterday and say guys are looking f- ahead to the draft. People aren't paying attention. Would it shock you, knowing a lot of these players like we do, and knowing them since they were in high school, that maybe they have just kind of checked out? It's clear. I mean, if you you don't have to be plugged in. You watch the games; it's clear that team has talent. It didn't get, it didn't lose all of its talent last year, and it's not just a quarterback situation; it's a defense situation. Um, yeah, no, they've one hundred percent quit. Now, Jimbo has a little bit of a problem on his hands with everybody speaking out of school now and admitting that they've quit. You're supposed to deny, deny, deny. It's a classic deny situation that they don't realize they're in. I guess. Um, I don't think it's a long term deal. I mean, I can't imagine Florida State is just done being good now forever. Uh, I just think this season is a complete disaster. And, and you know, they're making some changes maybe. They, maybe they need to make some changes on the coaching staff. Uh, maybe they need to change some things about how they approach games, how they do things from day to day. I don't know. But I can't imagine that Florida State is just all of a sudden bad. It's not like they had bad recruiting years. It's not like all the talent left last year. Uh, it's, it's very strange to me. Yeah, Nick, is your, is your mom ready to fire the coach? What's going on over there? Can we have Nick's mom on the podcast? <laughs> The Kruger family podcast. I, 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 I wish we could just do a rotating door of all my family members, then I wouldn't have to be on it. Um, I think, I think, uh, you, but I mean, well, what did we just get done talking about with, uh, you know, with old James here about, you know, about checking out and only checking in when the checking in is is convenient or yeah. uh, appropriate. Yeah. I mean, it, I, every year, every year, every spring, we go to these camps in Florida and cover them and it's the same story every year they show up late it gets a little warm they don't want to do anything uh why would that stop just because they go to florida state now? <laughs> it's not all florida we shouldn't we shouldn't paint all florida players with a with a broad brush uh it does happen well, as far as it happens everywhere i've seen it happen in the midwest kids quit it just happens well i can tell you where i've seen it uh, up close and personal whenever nick and i draft kids from california on our seven on seven team at the five-star challenge because that was a do not do that. One year we loaded up uh, at the suggestion of our boy Blair Angulo uh, on <laughs> on West Coast kids, and boy, the amount of injuries and oh my, my foot hurts. Yeah, see, we stand up for the Florida Jits here, man. It's it's not just, it's not just them. Well, I I do think it's you know it's symptomatic of the, you know the current landscape. What do you? The, the the way we the way we play is like everybody wants to win the national championship. The goal of Florida State is to win the national championship. Once you get to two and three, 
you're not doing it. You're not you're not making it. You're not even making it a championship game. So, I mean, it's not surprising that with so many guys at a school like Florida State, I mean, this is not, you know, a school like Iowa where you've got a bunch of kids who who, you know, grew up there and who maybe walked on and stuff like that who are going to fight to turn things around. These are guys who are about to be millionaires as if they don't get hurt in the next 2 months. I mean, do you blame them? Would, you know, I, obviously, you know, my dad wouldn't even let me quit Boy Scouts after I thought it was a disaster. And I told him all the kids were nerds. And he said, sorry, you signed up. You can't quit. But, you know, I, I don't know if uh, these kids have that same mentality now. Well, at least none of them have actually, like, quit and just, like, left the team. So they've only half quit, which is maybe even worse. Right, exactly. I, I, I think, like you said, the, the solution is going to be – they're going to have to make a change, probably a defensive coordinator. And sometimes this we we saw this happen at Oregon, where you, you get some of these older coaches who, you know, they get a little uh, they get a little lazy. If you know, I, I don't want to accuse any of the coaches of being lazy at Florida State because they're obviously still recruiting well. But you know, people get comfortable, and sometimes uh, you need to mix things up. We've seen a lot of young coaches thrive, and I think there will be some changes to the staff there. You know, I, I just. Uh, you know, it's it's an unfortunate situation because, uh, you know, Florida State does have a really good fan base. But guess what? You know, you've been to a bowl game every year for like 40 years. Eventually, this streak had to end, right? Yeah. You think we never want to – I don't ever want to like – and I know you're the same way. And so is Nick. You never – we don't ever want to see anybody get fired, whether it be a head coach, an assistant coach, or otherwise. It's, you know, it's just not good for human beings to be fired. But, you know, sometimes there is something to be said for shaking things up, I think. And maybe, you know, in the name of that is, is why they make a change at defensive coordinator. All right, moving on. One team that is really rolling on the recruiting trail, uh, Oklahoma, the Sooners, uh, quietly putting together a terrific class. They recently got a commitment from uh, Ronnie Perkins, one of the nation's top defensive linemen. Yeah, I, I had planned on talking about maybe their efforts to land a, a trio of the talented uh, defensive linemen from there in the in the Midwest, but uh, our friend of the show, Josh McQuiston, told me that they are not going to land those. So, you know, Lincoln Riley, the head coach, tweeted out, uh, these four sets of uh, the looking eyes, the emojis, which meant they had gotten four commitments over the weekend. They had a huge recruiting weekend. And now we've we've yet to hear a lot of those come public. And one of the guys we always have to talk about, maybe it could be our new Justin Fields in terms of ratings, is our boy uh, Buki. A lot of people call him Buki. He told us on the show it is Buki. Rumors are that he silently committed on that trip. He may be responsible for a set of eyes. He, after he visited Clemson, we were told <laughs> he might be going there. When I was down there, he was talking about the Gators, took a bunch of pictures in the gear. He also did a podcast with us where he said he wasn't interested in visiting anywhere else, I believe, <laughs> has taken a million visits. So, Rob, what do you think? I mean, you don't know the, him that well. He was, you know, these IMG kids sometimes get uh, thrust upon you. So so what did you think about the visit? What do you think about these rumors with our boy uh, – the book, man. Well, I mean, it's clear where they're coming from, right? I mean, I asked Stephen Pleasure, who's his teammate, if he committed to, if Buki committed to Oklahoma, and he's like, absolutely not. He's committed to Nebraska. And it's like, I wanted to put in a parenthesis for now, you know, it's clear. He's like making backup plans, right? I think if all is fine in Nebraska, this is not an issue, but I think he's not stupid. Uh, he knows that they want to get rid of Mike Riley, if not this year, but next year, and things aren't going particularly well in Lincoln. And I don't think he's just going to sit around and be blindsided by this. So whether or not he's committing to multiple schools silently, like our boy from a couple of years ago, Mike Combo, from that ended up where did he end up? He ended up in Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah, yeah Tennessee. Yeah. Who was just silently committed to like five schools. Maybe Buki's doing the same thing uh, in anticipation for for what's about to happen after the season. But you know, I think that's it's pretty clear where these rumors are coming from. As for where he'll land, uh, you know, you you got me, man. I would be pretty. Uh, I would be pretty confident in saying not Nebraska uh, because even if they get a good hire and they do get rid of Mike Riley, uh, it puts them behind the eight ball, right? If they're going to wait until the end of the season for this guy to build a relationship, a strong enough relationship to convince a kid that's net, that has no ties to Nebraska to come all the way to Nebraska. That's tough. It took Mike Riley a long time to do that. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, as we said, I, it, it seems everyone seems to be stating like a fact that Riley is going to be gone. And uh, I don't know. I think if, if Nebraska hires the right guy, I could see him going back there. I, I do think it's going to be tough for them to hang on to him because 
you know, it's tough for, to land those guys out of California. And once once guys go to IMG, it sort of changes their thinking as well. We saw Houston Griffith commit to Florida State. I do think getting away from home kind of gives them a different perspective. And, and that sort of is a situation with, you know, Buki. He seems to like it down there. He seems to enjoy – he's enjoying the process. And you have to – much like Cade Mays, you cannot – blindly commit to a school and then have the coach get fired and then it's two weeks before the time you have to sign a letter of intent or enroll and you don't know where you're going so i don't hold it against him if oklahoma can get him i think he'd be a great fit at oklahoma i think he'd play great in the big 12 um so you know oklahoma they're they're truly rolling i think lincoln riley is a great recruiter i think he's a guy that uh that you really have to look at and say okay now that he's there i mean because I, I think people use Bob Stoops against them in recruiting, don't you? Don't you, Nick? I mean, did, did you did you get a sense that you know the the uncertainty around him and when he might retire maybe hurt them in the past? Um, I, well, I think I think where we saw that most evidently was uh, shortly after they had that uh, that big junior day, right? And they got the they got the 2019 commitments from Theo Wees and. Um, <clears throat> RJ Henderson, right? RJ Henderson, right? Yeah, and then and then it wasn't long. It was you know just a couple months later. Uh, they they decommitted like a week, and then I think there was one other person in the mix there. They, but they but all three of them uh, decommitted like a week before the news about uh, Bob Stoops came out. Uh, then we saw things turn around very quickly under Lincoln Riley. I mean, he did a really nice rebound job. But I think you know when you look at Oklahoma's class right now, um, they're they're. They're pretty loaded up in the in the defensive back section, and you look at some of the problems that they've had defensively this year. I think a lot of Oklahoma fans are probably wondering, like, when when are we going to get some linebackers in here? We know that uh, we know that also Leon O'Neill and, and Deshaun White were on an official visit this past weekend uh, to Oklahoma, and those guys are both committed to Texas A and M. So it's going to be real interesting to see, especially now with A and M's loss to to Mississippi State this past weekend, uh, how much that visit meant to them, and if uh, I, I, I Deshaun was very close to committing to Oklahoma uh, at the time that he committed to Texas A&M. So if we're talking about silent commitments, um, he might be a guy that I think, you know, sort of reading between the lines uh, might be, you know, might be a guy that that could be responsible for one of those sets of eyeballs as well. So, you know, I think there's still some some stones to be uncovered, you know, un, uh, turned to, to see what's underneath them here as we as we go forward. But, um, you know, there's, there's still a lot of players in the mix and Oklahoma's got to be feeling pretty good about, you know, where they stand right now in the wake of all that uh, stuff going on in the preseason. Yeah, and I think we could attribute uh, IMG Academy's Ruben uh, Unajay as probably an eyeball set as well. So only one. So that, that gives us three. We're missing one. Uh, we should add Josh, uh, give us the scoop about who the fourth one was. But Oklahoma now number nine in the team rankings uh, and climbing with 20 commits. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised to see them overtake some other schools uh, as as those eyeballs continue to roll in. <laughs> um, moving on. Now, we talked a lot about Jim McElwain. We gave our instant reaction when he was fired on Sunday. You can go back and listen to that episode, as I mentioned. But, boy, all types of uh, chaos coming through. Uh, uh, the Sunday night, I had two different uh, sources tell me it's a done deal. They're already going to go with Dan Mullen. The AD knew him from uh, Mississippi State. He has Florida ties, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, well, that makes sense. Not exactly winning the uh, press conference, as uh, Rob said uh, during that podcast on Sunday. But it's a good hire. I like Dan Mullen. I think he's a good coach. I think he's kind of uh, done the best with what he has there at Mississippi State. Then yesterday, all the talk was – Willie Taggart is their number one target. They've already reached out to him. The lawyer that uh, Rob made fun of on Twitter, who initially said <laughs> McElwain was going to get fired, tweeted from Turkey, I believe, uh, which uh, is an interesting place for him to be at this point. He tweeted from Turkey saying, Taggart is their good. They're going after Taggart. Uh, we heard, uh, I read an article on Football Scoop, which detailed his buyout is less than $3 million if they do it uh, before January. Uh, 31st 2018 so there's all types of talk willie this has lawyer is, this lawyer is supposedly like i mean not supposed i guess he's like a he's like a big florida booster or something is that that what this is i don't know i think he because these florida fans yelled at me like when i was like some twitter guy they're like shows what you know about college football some twitter guy i'm like i'm supposed to keep up with every school's biggest booster i how i'm expected to know who this jabroni is well, he's he's verified. I think he does a radio show or something. I, I I'm not really sure who he is. I, you know, it's kind of like the there there's a there's a guy on Twitter 
and his name is like in all kinds of weather. And he's always talking about, he always has Florida news. And I'm like, are, are you a weatherman? I don't, <laughs> is, that a, is that an inside reference? Sometimes people get so wrapped up in their personal Twitter bubbles that, uh, you know, they forget what's going on. And then, knows what he's talking about. I just, I, I, mean, I was, they were so like blown away that I couldn't, I didn't know who this random attorney was. Right. So anyway, he says they're going after Taggart. I listened to uh, Andy Staples on another podcast earlier today, and he and he provided a lot of reasons why Taggart should be the top option. What do you guys think? I mean, geez, Rob, you're the Florida man. Willie is uh, obviously has Florida ties. Was supposed to be a guest on this podcast, famously blew me off for several hours. <laughs> so, do is he? Would he be a good hire? Number one, and number two, should he be the guy that's on the top of their board? Let's start with you, Rob. I, you know, it's not black and white, obviously. I mean, there's, I can make a case why he'd be a good hire, I think. Uh, I could make a case why he wouldn't be. I mean, there's, it's clear that he knows the recruiting landscape in Florida. He's convincing top guys to commit to Oregon. Uh, and I guess if you look at it this way, if you move him to Gainesville, where he's getting a lot of these kids from the Orlando and Tampa areas, uh, he could probably do even a better job, you know? So you'd assume that, you know, at least the recruiting cachet is there because he's a proven recruiter. Uh, he's done that. And I think the other side of the coin is he's having a rough season at Oregon. He hasn't exactly, he's not on the Scott Frost plan where you come in and immediately your team is good. Uh, so he's a little bit unproven in the way that, you know, dare I say McIlwain was where he experienced some success at an, at a non power five school. Uh, and, you know, Florida fans were a little hesitant to bring this guy in who, okay, so he's had some success elsewhere, but not at the highest level of college football. Um, and so it's kind of, and I don't want to say it's a repeat hire because there are big differences. You know, the recruiting ties are different. Uh, obviously, Taggart has ties to the area that McElwain did not have. But it's another bit of a risk of a guy that has not proven himself at the highest level. And you'd think if you were Florida, you'd want a guy, if Dan Mullen is available, that's won in the SEC or is won at some other Power 5 conference or has some other reason to think that, uh, okay, this, you know, this is this is the award, this is the reason we want him, and maybe is a little bit less of a risk. Yeah, I, I personally, I do think it would be a good hire. I'm surprised it's their number one option. I guess the coaching search is limited to current or former Oregon coaches based on Chip Kelly and Scott Frost also being in the mix. Uh, and I do think he would recruit well there. Uh, the thing is, the, the only thing that gives me pause is, would he leave after one year? I mean, he comes from this, uh, you know, Harbaugh tree, you know, this this blue collar, uh, you know, stick by your word, things of that nature. It's a dream. It would be a dream job for him. I think personally, he's a Florida kid. He's from Bradenton, I believe, uh, which people keep calling South Florida, which he coached at the University of South Florida, which is in Tampa, which people don't consider South Florida. I know it's a weird thing for out of staters. So he's not from South Florida. He's from Bradenton. Um, but anyway, I think he would be good. I just, I'm surprised. I would be surprised if he left. And I think we've seen this several times. We saw it with Dan Mullen last year with the Oregon job. His name was mentioned. And, and what happened shortly after his name was mentioned, he got a, a raise and an extension. And I think, you know, Taggart makes about $3 million. I have the coach's database pulled up here on uh, my computer for another story I'm working on. He's the 42nd highest paid coach in the country, making $2.9 million. Eh, maybe bump me up to more like 3.5 million or something and, you know, extend me out a couple more years. I think, uh, I think it's all well because, you know, Willie's contract is, is relatively short, uh, you know, in terms of the way they can get out of it. Like I mentioned with the, with the smaller buyout. So, um, Nick, I, do you think, who, who do you think should be their number one target? I mean, you're a Florida boy born and raised, uh, do you think it should be a guy like Taggart or do you think it should be a more established, you know, big time name? Well, from Taggart's point of view, if he if he ends up in that situation, uh, he should jump on that immediately, I think. But but I but I don't uh, if I'm if I'm Florida, I mean, I, I, I do, do OK, just just go down the list of other people that are always talked about. I mean, everybody keeps floating Chip Kelly's name, but. Is that is that really a surefire deal that he comes back to college coaching? I you know I I don't know if I don't know how close or how far away he is from making that decision for himself. Everybody wants Scott Frost, so if you just want to throw your name into that hat too, 
you know, there's so many, there's so many people that are interested in trying to hire him and you might not get him. And then where do you end up if you don't have somebody, if you go all in on him, Dan Mullen seems like a good choice. I know I've seen other people, uh, definitely start to, uh, put his name into things as well as, uh, Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> I saw, uh, earlier this morning from, uh, a pseudo friend of the podcast, um, you know, put it, putting that kind of idea out there as well. But, you know, I, I, I think after, I think if you're Florida, you know, we talk all the time about, uh, cl- coaching personalities being flipped, you know, when you're talking about going from one hire to the next, obviously they, they took a little bit of a chance on McIlwain when they hired him in terms of him not being a big, uh, splash name, a, a name that everybody knew and, and, uh, was reputable at the time and had some wins, uh, early in, in the process, but, Things just just went off the rails this year. I think this year, uh, with their next with their next coaching selection, they've got to they've got to try and find an established personality to not lose the support not 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 the support they're always going to have the support, but the faith of the fan base in terms of the direction of where the football program is going. They've got to try and find somebody that has a little bit more of a uh, established reputation. So I I don't know if Taggart would be my pick, uh, especially considering. You know, things haven't necessarily gone according to plan in Oregon. And you're talking about him coming just a year removed from another program after, you know, a, a stint at a, a non power five team before that. You know, I would I would try and find somebody that has a little bit more, uh, you know, cachet. Uh, but, you know, but I'm not the one making the decision either. So yeah, it's interesting. I, I I think you're right. I mean, it, it should be a dream job for Taggart. His mom still lives in Florida. Uh, you know, his dad died earlier this year. Uh, tragically, well, I'm just and, and I'm just saying too, from from Taggart's perspective, if, if your stock is still that high that you're talking about being the top name in a in a coaching search for a for a big time SEC program, he's got to take that because you know it's like I said. I mean, we we've always talked about the the probability of kids not sticking with their commitment through the through signing day to Oregon, despite how good their their class looks right now. I mean, they might take a look at that record and they might start thinking about the distance a little bit more. And things could go a very different direction very quickly here before February. Uh, if that offer is on the table for Taggart, I think he should take it just from that you know from that sort of point of view. All right, so we're going to be tracking that closely. Uh, you know, we just wrote a, We just wrote a ton of stories about Oregon and and, the, and getting a new coach. I, I don't know if we want to recycle all that content just in one year, but uh, we will if if it comes down to it. So follow us at rivals.com. We got a ton of talk about the uh, coaching search and inside the Gators, our Florida site, uh, with a hot board and all types of uh, inside uh, uh, information, rumors, and innuendo, things of that nature. So we move on. Uh, Womack fact check. Not technically on the, the list this week. Uh, there was some talk about uh, the quarterback uh, at Iowa State and how uh, he was not <laughs> – nobody wanted him, of course. Nobody wants anyone, it's, which is – it's amazing how players end up if in college. If you go to a school, it's not Alabama or Clemson. Nobody wanted him. Yeah, so so uh, so nobody wanted him. So he, he not despite the fact that he signed with Oregon State, went to JUCO, and then signed he signed, signed with two different Power Five programs. Nobody wanted him. Um, he was a three star, uh, so we'll give him that. Uh, I do want to bring up real quick our boy, friend of the show. Now, boy, best friend of the show in my opinion, even though I've only met him once or twice. Uh, Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports columnist, uh, one of our coworkers. Nick spent a lot of time with him at the Olympics. Went on the Ringer podcast. Uh, the college football podcast with Chris Vernon late last week. And boy, he was just singing our praises over there, talking about rivals and the recruiting rankings and uh, really bringing the heat. I mean, he was bringing some real facts about uh, the, the, you know, the way recruiting rankings coincide with national championships and playoff appearances. So big shout there. We got to get Dan on the show, Nick, that's, that's your man. You have to reach out to him on that one. Okay. <laughs> Done deal. All right. Who put Tweet of the Week on the list? This was not me, so. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. I put, I put one on there. Um, you know, we can skip it because, you know, it, it would – I don't really want to make fun of the kids, so we, we can skip Okay. It. Well, I got some, man. Jeez. I mean, don't put it – don't put it on the sheet if we're not going to talk about it, Rob. Well, I was thinking uh, about it while you were talking, and I was like, Ugh, I don't really want to make fun of the kids. Okay, so I got one here, starting from our boy Jordan Davis, Alabama commit out of the Memphis area. And he says, trying to live my life with me and mine to like the hashtag balls family. <laughs> the combined age of this podcast mentally is like 70. <laughs> and then he put the prayer emojis. And he meant, he meant he wanted his family to be like 
the ball family. Yeah, the ball, yeah. But he said hashtag balls, which which really really got me. Got five likes, so uh, hopefully he can live his family, live his life like the balls family. So hold on, you guys got mad at me a few weekends ago for saying the word in a serious oh, in a serious manner. No, but hold on, but you can you can do that. It's what he said. Hashtag balls. I, all right. I just I don't speaking see about it's someone's last name. It's not. No, I understand. I understand that. I understand that. Um, and then I did get in a Twitter beef late last week, which I enjoyed. Rob, if you want to say that word on the podcast, just change legally change your name, your last name to it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would. I'm sure uh, plenty of people have already called you that. Nick Krieger from Texas and Rob. In Miami, <laughs> you know, my name's already my name's already Woody, so it's close enough. I don't want you step stepping on my brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can't have two. Um, also, I enjoyed Tyreek Johnson, five star uh, defensive backer. We've discussed on the podcast quite a bit. Tweeting uh, last week, somebody get me a Freddy Cougar mask. I need it by Friday. DM me. <laughs> so he wants to be Freddy Cougar. What a thing to ask Twitter for. <laughs> I mean. I should have asked him if anybody got it. Of course, it's Freddy Krueger, much like as as every hotel uh, desk clerk reminds Nick that that's how his last name. Like Freddy Krueger? <laughs> yeah, I get Oh, it's like Butch Cassidy? I'm like, no, it's not like Butch Cassidy. Well, I actually get a lot of, uh, especially when I'm in New Orleans, I get a lot of, uh, well, number one, I get uh, Bobby Womack. People say, like Bobby Womack? Who's like you get a, the Toy Story thing, too? Well, yeah, but I mean, our boy Bobby Womack is a fringe, not super famous singer, and the amount of people who suggest that that's what it is, uh, you know, really drives me crazy. So, moving on, rants and recommendations. Boy, we're cooking today. You wanted to go fast, Rob. Nick's got stuff to do. We're making good time. Now, I had to, I've been wanting to complain about tow truck drivers for a a while. I'm not going to do it because guess what? It's Halloween, so we need to have a Halloween-themed thing, and I am sick and tired of all you millennial types, Rob Cassidy, complaining about candy corn. What do you care so much about? If I want to eat candy corn, I'm going to do it. I, it's become this giant thing. I've, I heard someone call it abhorrent, which, you know, which I hate that word. That's a word that was invented for the last, you know, 18 months of people getting offended about everything. I'm offended. It, Guess what? They wouldn't sell candy corn if people didn't like it and eat it. I don't care if you eat dots or whatever, whatever crappy candy that gets stuck to your teeth. So if people want to eat candy corn, let them do it. I don't, why is it? Be, is it just cool to say it's not good now? Is that what it is? I don't know. I, I put it on one. I put it as a throwaway three sentences in one column. And all of a sudden, I'm like the candy corn hater. I, I don't know. This is this is coming from the same guy that once spent 10 minutes on this very podcast complaining about the flavor of pickles. Um, so, and telling, <laughs> so, you know, maybe you're not in the best stance to be like, why do people care what other people eat? I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. What, what was I complaining about? The flavor, flavored pickles. Yeah. Guess what? Because I don't go up, but I, I'm not going out there every day tweeting. I hate flavored pickles, blah, blah, blah. I said, is? I mean, no, you're, you're like lumping me into this thing when I don't think I've ever even well, tweeted I, about I, it. Well, you're part of it. Cause you wrote about it in the article. The, what I'm saying is. I can't deal with – I can't – it's every podcast. It's every – these are the worst. These are my personal rankings of the candies. Candy corn sucks. Okay, well, don't eat it then. How about that? <laughs> it, it, it just – it's the texture more than the flavor for me. I just don't – I can't dig the, it, the like wax coating. I don't know. I don't even like it that much, but it's fine. I don't care. Like I said, there are way worse candies starting with dots, number one. Okay, what else? Who? What else you the, got? Those, those, it might is the whatever those weird like things that come in the strawberry wrappers are that I've never even sold seen in a store that just seem to like manifest in old women's candy jars. You know what I'm talking about, right? They're hard. Yeah, candies. I know what you're talking about. What are those? And how come like I've never like seen them in like a gas station or a candy aisle? It's like old ladies have a secret strawberry candy delivery service that you have to be like 65 uh, to be able to even log in and order, and then they just like come to your house through the back door. Where do they come from? Those are weird, but they're not bad. They don't taste that bad. I'm just saying, I, I've had I've had it up to here with you telling me what candy I can and can't eat. Well, meanwhile, oh, let me have some kale flavored chocolate. Okay, get out. Let me eat my candy corn. Oh, is that real? No, I don't know. I'm sure it is. Uh, maybe if you go to whatever socialist market you shop at, uh, you can find it there. 
All right. Anybody, you guys got anything? Uh, I was at a Halloween party on, on Saturday. Uh, and I, it was nice. A wow. <laughs> It was, it was, well, I, there was a bowl of candy corn out, and that was I just grabbed a couple of hands fulls of that. What you think? And didn't think twice about it. Boy, yep. Oh, I mean, Hale, it's, it's dark true. chocolate bar. It exists. I'm looking at it right here. Okay. <laughs> you liked it, right, Nick? It's fine. You like candy corn. Well, it was. I, I mean, I wouldn't go. I I never buy. I never go out of my way to buy candy corn. But if it's sitting there available to me, same thing with the office <laughs> waiting room strawberry candies. Rob was talking about like. They're around. I'll have them. That's it. All right. So here we go, buddy. Here's a quick paragraph describing what you have, I think, willed into existence. <laughs> Compart's new amazing vegan 75% dark chocolate bar is bursting with healthy goodness! Exclamation point. Filled by hand with mouthwatering combination of kale chips, pumpkin seeds, and sesame seeds, this healthy chocolate bar is added, has no added sugars, just delicious fresh seeds and crispy kale chips covered in Compart's famous chocolate. So this exists, and there's a picture here, and it looks it looks abhorrent to tell you the truth. Yeah, well, guess what? It sounds dis- it sounds disgusting. I'm with you on that one. But guess what? If someone wants to eat it, I'm not going to go out and actively shout down. And guess what? The candy corn lobby needs to step up because you're letting you're letting this narrative of you know people take control of your brand. Get out there, do some advertising. Okay, you've got pro candy corn people in big places uh, to push the agenda for you. So. Like I said, <laughs> big candy corn, it needs to collude with Russia. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, we got the Greek guy got, got arrested yesterday. I'm sure he, he's going to be looking for a new gig when he gets out of jail. You know, I will help. I'll help. I'll gladly push the agenda. Obviously, my candy corn peeps tweet got a ton of, of retweets. So uh, so anyway, that was it, Nick. You just went to a party and ate some pie, some candy corn. <laughs> yeah, Sounds we, like a we were there. That was like a pit stop. We were between a couple of different places. We weren't there for that long. Boy, boy, it must be nice to have friends and, and activities to do and things of that nature. Um, I would tell you my Saturday night Halloween story, but I'm not. I don't think I'm allowed to say anything other than, you know, it ended with me crashing through my skylight, screen skylight on the roof of my house. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not best to discuss that uh, that evening. I will say, boy, I finished American Vandal, and it's even better than I thought it was. So spot on. Wow, what a show. Uh, highly recommend. Also, big shout to Sprouts, the, uh, the uh, farmer's market grocery store, which Nick and I each have within walking distance of our respective homes, despite living very far apart. They've been having good sales on uh, venison meat and uh, elk meat, and boy, I have been eating a lot of it. So highly recommend it. If you haven't tried it, if you're one of these people who thinks, oh, I don't like candy corn and I'm not going to eat Bambi, which people often say, you know, guess what? You know, baby cows are really cute too, and you have no problem eating them. So go try some, uh, try some venison, try some elk meat. It's, it's very, very good. All right. That's it. You guys got anything else? I do not. Uh, I, I real quickly, I had a, on on the rant list, I, I deleted about half of the things because I actually sat down and had a chance to watch some football on Saturday before going out to set uh, Halloween parties. And, you know, I, I'm not from Texas. I'm not from, uh, you know, I don't, I often say I don't have a dog in the fight with any of these teams here in the state, but I do want a big 12 team to step forward, represent them, represent the conference and the playoffs just because, you know, I, have to talk about the Big 12 a lot and, and its teams. And TCU, with a golden opportunity here this week against Iowa State, comes out, I don't even remember what point in the game this was, but there was clearly a moment, it, they were down 14-7, to 7, it was late in the game, it had to have been in the fourth quarter, they were clearly dropping eight players into coverage, had three linemen, none of them had their hand in the ground, and number nine, I don't even know, I, any TCU fan that happens to be listening to this, which I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty, uh, had to have been watching the same play, thinking the same thing, with no down linemen, number nine, a, clearly a linebacker, not even an end, going to get double teamed, we're not trying to sack the quarterback, we're just trying to sit back, and try and get try and play coverage here against Iowa State. Jumps off sides, and what happens? It's a pick six for TCU that doesn't count. Gets negated because he jumps off sides on a play he never was going to have any chance of sacking the quarterback on Iowa State. TCU goes on to lose the game, and now it's really up in the air if any of these teams are even going to make the playoffs, and, and it's just really disappointing. If I'm a TCU fan, number nine, 
I, is not playing next week. Can we add like Nick's coach's corner where he where he ch- where he ch- like scolds your favorite player once a week? I had my my entire rant on the sh- on the sheet this week. I I had like seven different things from football games that I watched this week that I was going to rant about. But that was the one that would. But congratulations, number nine. You were the worst one of them all. You're the one that I kept on the sheet this week. Yeah, and actually. As the game went on into the, I believe Nick left shortly after that, and I peppered him with text messages about uh, my frustration about TCU uh, and some of their uh, offensive play calling as well. So we were both fired up about uh, the horn. Consider, hey, consider yourself horned, uh, TCU coaching staff. Nick and I well, were not happy. And guess what? We got a direct line to the athletic director last time I checked, right, Nick? Uh well yeah <laughs> I do at least <laughs> that's another more or less all right all right all right uh, you know it's bad when Rob when Rob is saying all right all right all right to uh, for us to stop talking so uh oh guess what quick Woody's wacky story of the week making a reappearance people seem to like it when I tell my crazy stories about getting in fights with people in public real fast uh, I went to a uh, a major uh. I don't know what it would be classified as. It's just, it's a huge store chain, which you can find in most places. Kind of place where Rob would never step foot inside the door. But guess what? They sell terrific grapes. Probably the best grapes. Phenomenal grapes. So Is it like a window mart? <laughs> I'm not going to say the name of the store. So I go in. You know, I'm going to grab some grapes real fast. Just keep in mind, I had just been at Sprouts where I found the, the you know, I did not like the grapes. They were subpar. So I go across the street to the other store, and uh, what do you do when you buy grapes? What Nick, I don't know if I even told you this story. So what do you do when you buy grapes? Do you tend to taste a grape to see how it tastes or not? Yeah, you got to sample one. All right, so, so I grab a grape out of the bag, and here comes an employee beelining for me, of course. <laughs> the only person, she says, I have the grape in my hand. She says, no, 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 you can't do that. I said, what do you mean? Now you got to pay for it. You can't be taking food and eating it. And I, what do you think I did? Nick, what do you think my next move was? Mm. I know. <laughs> did, did, they, did the grape turn into a projectile? <laughs> so it's, no, it's, it's, even, it's even better. And what he says after it does it makes it the best. Oh, did you stomp on the grape? Uh, that might be. Those are all possibilities. Those are all things in the Woody Mad Libs I could have done. But I put the grape in my mouth and I bit right into it and I said, what happens now? <laughs> You're <Yeah. laughs> I called her bluff and she was flabbergasted. She never expected me to do something like that. I grabbed the ba- – now the grape tasted good. So guess what my next move was? Grabbed the bag of grapes and she said, don't ever do that again. And I said, we'll see. And I just walked off with the grapes. I win. Take that. All right, that wraps it up. My laptop battery's dying. We're approaching the one-hour mark. We will be back with an episode next week. Please remember, I didn't I didn't check iTunes to see if we got any new reviews. I should do that right now. Please remember to leave us a review because it really helps us. I mean, we're trying. We're, our goal is to get to 50. We're at 42 as of last check. Um and like I said, it, it, it's a it's a big favor to all of us. It helps us uh, placement on iTunes, and we obviously helps. Oh my, we are at forty seven reviews. Wow, we got all types of reviews. Oh, hold on, should we see if uh, what they say? Huh? Well, I, I assume I know what they say since the encouragement is always log on and make fun of Rob. I'm hoping that you know they're all. Okay. I think they're all Florida fans. Boy, well, we're going to read them right now. Let's start with the first one from uh, someone with a lot of numbers in their name. K E I C H one eight three six three nine three six six three. It's all the numbers. <laughs> Somebody's phone number. Uh, he says Woody and his rants kill me. That's the name. Oh boy, what a guy! I'd listen just for those, but a lot of good college football recruiting uh, discussion. Binge through American Vandal because of this podcast. Way to go! You should have done it. Everyone should watch American Vandal. Number two, hashtag pay for Coach Woody. I can't believe the amount of recruiting knowledge these guys have for being high school nerds living in their parents' basements. Impressive recruiting pod. Keep up the good work. Okay, well, guess what? I had a bomb shelter at my house, not a basement. It was built. Uh, I'm from Florida. There's no such thing as basements there. Uh, yeah, I live in a tiny little condo with you know nothing, nowhere to go. 
Okay, next, last but not least, Podcast Magic from at Go Man Go. I've been drinking in Rob's work since he was a peon at the Kansas State site. And now, ah! now look at him. Knocking down doors is one of the nation's premier sports journalists. Remarkable. Put him on the mic with the Mad Greek and the other guy. What do you get? Podcast Magic. Rob once coined the phrase the Cancun of the Midwest to describe Wichita. In a similar vein, I'd like to use the phrase the Southwest Airlines of podcasts to describe the show. The jokes aren't great and no one understands the seating policy, but damn if they don't take you to more destinations than anyone else and you can't beat the price. So subscribe, download, and don't be a loser. Why, what a review. Go. That is That might be the best review we've ever Way to go. Go, man, I, go. I am familiar with this guy. We do interact a little bit on Twitter. Um, I remember him from my Kansas State days as well. He's, he's a smart guy. That's a great review, though. Best of all times. If you can contact Rob, we'll give you some free stuff. So hit up Rob. And I'm going to give you a, a hat or some junk out of his office or something. Yeah, I'll send you, I'll tell you what I'll send you if you're listening and you contact me. I will send you this that old school Big 12 arm cock that, still, that I got at a Big 12 media day. It still has the Missouri and Nebraska logos as part of the conference. It's awesome. Probably gets, I think what you need is a megaphone with all the air conditioning you've got going on in your house right now. <laughs> no, that's not me, man. I can, hear it, I can hear it in my headphones. I have my air conditioning off. Uh, must be Woody then. Yeah. It's cold here, so I do not have the air conditioning or the heat on. But anyway, my bad my laptop battery is dying for real. So that wraps it up. Our boy, M. Deuce, uh, his son, dominating soccer, moving up moving up age groups, uh, a real athlete, uh, unlike his dad. So big shout, to, big shout to Mark's son. Please listen to his music on SoundCloud at M. Deuce. And uh, we'll be back with another episode next week.